Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, here we go. My name is Michael Rapport. You are now rocking with the best. This is the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. No fact-checking podcast. We pride ourselves on that. My name is Michael Rapport, a.k.a. The Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. White Mike, a.k.a. Mr. White <laughs> Folks. I'm here with G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty. G. Monetti, always ready. Yes, yes. Um, we're getting ready to do this. Um, later on in the episode, as I told you, we're going to have our guy Pat McAfee, uh, yeah. punter, all-pro punter, personality. Guy fucking retired from the NFL while he could still play in the NFL for some strange reason. To become a comedian slash podcaster, I like Pat. Way to go, bro! Pat's dope, man. Remember we hung out with him at uh, Gillette Stadium? Yeah, he, he's he's a good dude. Yeah, funny he's, guy. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. So I'm uh, I'm gonna rock with him uh, later on the uh, Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. We had we had a good time. Um, but first, we're going back to basics, straight fundamentals. Me and G Moody, uh, last name rhymes with duty. Um, you're listening to. A nice, smooth, G-Moody beat. Yes. But I want to give a shout-out because I recreated mm. a Smith & Wesson beat. It's a, it's from Smith & Wesson, uh, first album. It's uh, called Partners in Crime. I recreated it. I had the records. Shout-out to my man uh, Tech and Steel. My man Steel is from Brownsville. Tech is from Bed-Stuy. These are my guys. And if you don't know, if you're listening to the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast for the first time, uh, Mr. Moody is from the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. All day long. Um, I mean, and you know what's funny? 
We've been doing so many episodes lately. So many class. Yo, listen, I know we're putting out a lot of fire. Don't complain about it. It's more fire. Okay? Right. You could slow burn it. Uh, you, 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 could, you could rock them all at once. But we're putting them out there. They're timeless, evergreen episodes of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I forgot why I brought that up. Uh, but you're... Oh, you know what I was thinking? Um, you know, growing up in Brownsville, in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn where you grew up, uh, yeah. and, and, and if you don't know the history between me and G. Moody, uh, we met when we were 12 years old. Uh, I believe Moody was 13, 1982, uh, basically through basketball and mutual friends. And... These are some of the, like, like talk about, like, dealing with adversity. Talk about dealing with uh, a, a tough environment, tough situation. If yeah. Just by the mere fact that you were born and raised and you shared the zip code of, what's your zip code? 11212. 11212. If you, yep. if you have that zip code and you're growing up in Brownsville, you already have so much going against you. Yeah. And, you know, you hear all these people complain every fucking day about this and about that and about the coffee cup protesters and all this shit. And I was just, I was really thinking about that, man. Like, I was thinking about, like, you know, you and all the people, uh, you know, that I know, that I I met from you. And, you know, I don't need to name all the names. um, But we can name a few. Uh, We got G. George. Yes. uh, Magic. George Green. uh, George Green. (laughs) Magic. uh, Tim. uh, Yeah. Boo Bear. Yes. Uh, this is where oh. World Be Free is from. Give, give some of the other uh, other uh, colorful Mike, names. Mike Tyson, Riddick Bowe, Lyle Alzado, a football player, uh, Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, a boxer. It's a lot of, a lot of people from there, man. Dwayne Henry Hill. Pearl. Henry Hill. Henry Hill from Goodfellas. If you look at the opening scene of Goodfellas, it takes place not too far from... Uh, where Mr. Moody grew up. My grandmother was uh, born in East New York, East New York slash Brownsville. Um, give the demographics of Brownsville, East New York. Like it's Brooklyn is like, you know, there's all these sections, Flatbush, Bed-Stuy, uh, Fort yeah. Greene, Williamsburg, uh, all the, and, and it all sort of, they overlap with each other. I, I, even as someone who was born and raised in Brooklyn, are you able to tell the difference from one area to the next, like literally like when each neighborhood sort of has the, the, the it changes? Yes, yes. I could do that with my fucking eyes closed. Okay. I, Just I ask understand. It. I mean, no need to have a chip <laughs> on your shoulder. I know what the chips there about the chips about. We'll get to that soon. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but um growing up there, if I didn't have my mother and my father, I would be gone. I would be lost. But it was the greatest time growing up there, but you need your family because it's a tough environment and if you don't have that uh that family structure, you can get caught up in a lot of my friends got caught up in shit, but I had uh, good folks from South Carolina that raised us, and they had their morals, so luckily for me. I mean, so many, so many of our friends, you know, I was thinking about, like, Dorian and Percy and Stymie, and, like, th- these are names, people that mean nothing to but I was, like, I was thinking about the first time I met somebody, we were kids, and then you look at, like, five, six, seven, eight years later, when we get to be 18, 19, yeah. dudes are Crossroad. dead, dudes are in jail. Yeah. It's just Walk crazy. I was I was thinking about that a lot uh, last night when I when I knew we were uh, gonna podcast uh, today, uh, and uh, just all the craziness that's going on every single uh, every single goddamn day, man. Um, so much stuff going on. We got sick fucks on the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. Um, 
Listen, Moody, you caused quite a stir the other day. And I love it. You you love it. You love it. And you're black, and Donald Trump <laughs> is blatantly racist. He said just recently, like within the last 24 hours, why would we let those people from those shithole countries into America? Why would I we want that. those people from shithole countries over here? Because it's America, you fucking dummy. It's not one of your hotels, okay, where you get to screen who you get to, who you have in and who you don't have in at your <laughs> hotels. It's not one of your fucking golf courses where you could be like, no blacks allowed. <laughs> see, he, see, he's taking all his personal shit. And he's bringing it to the forefront. And now he's televising his meetings. He's looking even dumber than he thinks. This guy's a fucking... I, I don't know what to say. And the other day, I, I, can't, I can't even figure out. You, you might have declared yourself a, a Republican. You might not have declared yourself Republican. Please speak. This was the can little edge. This was the can edge I, uh, I, I was clarif- speaking of early on. Please, I'm going to sit back now. Yeah, sit back. Let me clarify. I want to deal with uh, El Salvador. That you was talking greasy about. So let me let me put this in perspective for you. There were two earthquakes in El Salvador in 2001. The U.S. absorbed 200,000 refugees on a humanitarian program known as temporary protected status. Operative word here is temporary. This program shielded them from I being deported. I sent you deported. this podcast you got your information from, you fuck. Go ahead. This program shielded them from being deported if they came here illegally. The U.S. extended this program several times since 2001. Homeland Security went to El Salvador and saw that the conditions that the quake caused no longer existed. Now you can go back because after all, the program was temporary length of time in temporary protected status depends on situation in home country improving what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) that is crystal clear crystal see they they don't you gotta know the law before you talk (laughs) so you out here i know i sent you the information you didn't send me shit. I you, sent you, you the information, you the animal. Fuck. No, but I'm saying you cannot fault Trump on that regard with the El Salvador. It's like, yo, you can't just be up in our country lounging. It was temporary. Come back and apply for permanent status. This is a new president. I'm sorry. We don't have the fucking cream puff we had before. Oh. This is... You're calling you're calling Mr. Obama a cream puff. Hey, hey, the shoe fits where it be. Oh my god, yo. Listen, yo, you're saying some divisive wild shit on the yard, Duke. I don't know what don't the give, fuck. I don't listen, know what kind of that brown you're on. Check listen, it out. I don't know if I, that brown got the best of you, but I'm you fair. are saying some wild shit. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. I'm an independent thinker i don't lean left i don't lean right i'm judging the facts and how do you feel about how do you feel about uh your republican president he's not even republican this guy's in his own thing uh saying that uh we don't want these people these shithole countries quote unquote Uh, come on you know that you know that's new york talk that's how we talk in the fucking office that's how you talk in the office that's how we talk if you work in a shoe company and you're not the president Hey, well, this isn't Donald Brownsville. Tr- this isn't the Upper East Side where people pull out them things. Listen, 
The insults, racial identity shit, I don't give a fuck about. All I care about is following the law and a new administration, and they're going to do things that you may not like, but hey, he won. No, no, don't don't go down that road. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, don't. We don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that he won. I predicted <laughs> it four more years. Bullshit. No, I don't. I'm, I'm not talking about predictions. I'm talking about a new administration comes in. They have their own thing. Hey, man. well, you know and what's you have good. To get- you know what's good. Nothing he wants to get done is getting done, and I like it. And they're going to fucking no. drag him, and he can't even fucking recite the national anthem. He should have took a knee at the college bowl game. He should have taken a fucking knee. Maybe Listen. he would have been able to remember the national anthem. He's <laughs> pathetic. I want to state this because a lot of motherfuckers hit me on DM saying I'm, I'm um, a Ben Carson-ass motherfucker. Oh, good. But check, check it. I'm not... A Trump guy. I'm a fair. I'm, we, we journalists now, rap. You got to be <laughs> fucking fair. You have to be in the middle. So, yo, I'm not with the Democrats and all that anymore because they're, they're so fixated on getting guys in fucking bathrooms. I don't want to hear about that. I want to be on the real concrete issues. That's why they lost. That's why they lost. The American mm. public sided. With this administration, they put him in office. All right, Mr. Moody, do you have anything else you want to add to your Republican platform? I am not a Republican. I'm an independent, rational. We all are. Yeah. Now you're biting my man. You. You you bite my man from Vermont Rapper Pack. Yo, my guy. I said that. No, the Vermont. The guy from the Vermont Rapper Pack. He said, "I'm an independent, rational thinker." You didn't say that. I didn't use rational, but I said no shit. You didn't use rational because you ain't rational. I am. <laughs> Yo, go ahead, man. Proceed. I, I I didn't learn everybody on that shit. Now y'all know. All right, Miles. Let me get some funk, man. Let me get that. Uh, let me get that passing me by joint. Uh, that Moody uh just put together. So your guy Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> you know it's so funny. You see how the news works. It goes Harvey Weinstein attacked. Outside of a Scottsdale restaurant. Harvey Weinstein smacked two times outside of a restaurant. And then did you see the videotape of the, the actual confrontation with Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, I mean, I saw it. listen, you know, first of all, you know, like, I, listen, you want to run up on him, run up on him. He's a piece of shit. Absolutely. But, but these dudes, like, I'm like, is, is money running up on him? Like, who's filming this shit? Are you running up on him to, like, money? If, and if you're gonna, if you're gonna do something, dude, he giving these little backhand taps, like, yeah, you, you, was, you wouldn't even was... get kicked out of, you wouldn't even get kicked out of a fourth grade private school class for that little bullshit. Yeah, that 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 was uh, orchestrated. But I like his style. I call him a Steve uh, Vigilante. But he should have smacked fire out of him. He should have hit him harder because Weinstein. Think of the arrogance of this dude. You out cooling in Arizona, eating rest, eating Chilean sea bass like, like like shit is sweet. They supposed to run up on you and say, "Yo, get the fuck up out of here, man!" Yeah, you I sexually agree. assaulting chicks. You ain't supposed to be in public. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and, 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 I agree. And, I agree. And, and turn over his fucking table. Make this dude uncomfortable. Make him get the fuck out of the U.S. That's it. Yeah, I like money. I like money though. We call it vigilante Steve. He's on that. Uh, he's on that Charles Bronson shit. Were good. Um. So French actress Catherine Deneuve, who, if you've never heard of her, she's like sort of the biggest French movie star. One of the biggest French movie stars. Um. 
you know, ever. She she was known for she's still alive. She's she's like 70, 70 something. Still very beautiful. She was known for her beauty. She's one like iconic French act, actress. Um, she came out uh, the other day and said that, and al- along with ninety nine other women, French actresses saying that uh, the uh, Me Too hashtag Me Too movement has turned into a witch hunt. Now, all these actresses, if you're an actress, you know who Catherine Deneuve is. She's also right. French. She's from another generation. Um, but now all the, the American actresses, and I'm not taking sides. I'm a guy. I'm going to stay the fuck out of this shit. Uh, yeah, you better. But, but she said, you know, uh, uh, she, she wrote a long letter, but one of the things she, she said is, you know, when they, you know, you, you're uh, indicting people and, and, and getting mad at people when all they did was touch a knee or try to steal a kiss. And now all the American women who have started the Me Too movement, they've turned on Catherine Deneuve and called her an old piece of shit and she's no. out of touch and all this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I read Catherine. She said, uh, she, she gave a, a, a rational point. She was like, so if a guy says hello or says something out, you know, and what, so what's the what's the fucking standard? What 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 is actually sexual assault? You know what I'm saying? Like she's trying to say, like like if a guy says hello or, or if he says, it, it she it, it's it's crazy, man. Like we have it, it has to be a bar. A lot of motherfuckers are not. I ain't saying shit to nobody. I'm not saying shit to nobody. I, listen, You're not I'm getting, getting no ready, high. I'm getting ready to start working uh, in a couple of weeks on uh, my Netflix show, Atypical. And if you haven't seen the Netflix show that I did called Atypical, you could stream it on Netflix. Um, we're getting ready to start working on season two. Now, I always mind my business on a set. I bullshit around and all that stuff, but I, I'm not there to... I'm a Yo. married man. I, and and I never was like one of these dudes who was too wild on sets. Uh, even in my younger years. And I just found out that the other day was, I believe, the 25th. The 25th anniversary of higher learning. I was like, oh. yo, damn. Yeah. Yeah, you got to watch out. Maybe it's the 20th, the 20th anniversary. I don't know, 23rd anniversary? This shit came out. I don't know who keeps track of these anniversaries. I would never know the anniversary of shit. I barely can remember my own birthday at this point. But um, the point that I was saying is that... Um, on sets now, when I see female uh, co-workers, I'm giving them fist bump from arm's length. I wouldn't even talk to them at all. Like, <laughs> Just when, ignore no, them. Don't speak to yeah, them. Yeah, yo, yo, when it's, when, when it's time, when that motherfucker click that thing, action, that's the only time you hear me talk. Mm. I wouldn't say nothing to them women, man, at all. Like, close the, the trailer door. Yo, because anything could be misconstrued, and they could just start calling. Like, he said this. So, if you don't say shit, they can't say shit. <laughs> uh, another thing that happened in Hollywood, uh, it's a really good movie. The Kevin Spacey movie, All the Money in the World, that was the movie that he got fired from, and then they replaced him. Um, and it's, it's a dope film, by the way. Ridley Scott directed it. Um, and and they, they replaced him, and uh, they had to do a whole bunch of reshoots. And it's shit. come out that uh, Mark Wahlberg got uh, $1.5 million dollars for the reshoots, and Michelle Williams just got $1,000 for the reshoots. Now, I don't count other people's pockets, but I can tell you this. Number one, number one, if Michelle Williams did the reshoots for $1,000, that's on her. That's on her agents. She shouldn't be mad about it. She should be mad and maybe think about getting some new agents. Number two, Mark Wahlberg's movies made, I think, $500 million last year. He has, yep, he has cachet. Michelle Williams is a... 
she's one of the best actresses out there. She's dope. She's excellent. Right. But, but does excellence, she, does, does, excellence doesn't always call, uh, doesn't equal box office uh, receipts. Exactly. John Turturro, had, John Turturro uh, is, is excellent. Okay. He's not bringing in the same amount of money as Mark Wahlberg. Now, right. from what I heard afterwards, it says that Michelle Williams just agreed to it. Who knows what? Let me tell you something, you fucking idiots out there that report this and try to stir the pop. Oh, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's females getting shitted on and men. Yep. T- Yo, Yo, you don't know what their deal points are. You don't know about their deal. You don't know what she got paid up front. You don't, how many days did Mark Wahlberg have to do the reshoots? He was in more of the reshoots than Michelle Williams, I could tell you that much. Okay? Right. So just all these people like, oh, this is women and equal pay. Shut up. Yeah. You don't know this shit. You're just talking bullshit. Tell them, rap. You in that shit. Tell these motherfuckers. I just did, fucks. <laughs> um, Miles, give me the sick fuck of the week music. This award is earned, not given. It's called the Sick Fuck of the Week. This guy's really sick. Lock him up. How could you do it? Don't let him out. Damn. You fucked the dog? You what? You fucked the dog? Why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What sick fuck? The sick fuck of the week. It's earned. Earned. Not given. You did what? No. 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 No! All right. It's a sick fuck of the week award. If you've never listened to the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, and I'm sure there is a whole bunch of you out there, this award goes to a certain person with a certain je ne sais quoi. Oh. Okay? Not everybody is qualified to get the sick fuck of the week award. Okay? And this week, we have some doozies. On Jet Airways, not Jet Blue, Jet Airways. Oh, Section 8 shit. I, I don't know what Jet... Yo, when you got a bootleg Airways, it's not worth flying. Uh-uh. Take a train or a bus. Yeah. Because when I saw Jet Airways, the first thing that I thought of was Jet Blue Airways. Right, but that wasn't it. This is some Section 8 shit. Yeah, that's like skips. Jet Airways is the big baller brand of airlines. Right. <laughs> okay? That's Walmart shit. I don't fly Walmart. I'm not saying you got to fly the flyer shit, but when you're flying, you better fly some name brand shit. (laughs) You can compromise a lot of things in your life, but you can't compromise who the fuck is flying you around. And the point was proven when these two assholes got into a fight, two of the pilots got on and popping while the plane was in air. Oh, were? A heated in-flight fight on New Year's Day, which the male co-pilot allegedly slapped his female commander and later left the cockpit completely unattended. Computers run that, B. Both of these sick fucks have been fired, and thank God. But, yo, if you're going to fly jet airways, yo, yo. Bring an instruction book because you might have to take control of the cockpit. Like like some airplane shit. <laughs> like the movie. <laughs> the great, that was a good movie. <laughs> um, the next six fuck. You're going to like this. On Rikers Island. And, you know, people are blaming Rikers Island for all these things. This is the sick fuck. Every sick fuck speaks for themselves. Yeah. An ex-gang member who had done jail time. And became a therapist. 
and who now rehabilitates inmates, was caught trying to smuggle contraband, a.k.a. razors, razor blades, into Rikers Island. Oh. Oh. And I'm not talking about razor blades you shave with. I'm talking about razor blades you cut motherfuckers with. Yeah, trying to give motherfuckers that buck 50. That's a sick fuck. And this guy's supposed to be some sort of therapist. And, uh, you know, he, he, he he's helping prisoners. <laughs> sick fuck. Bombay Garrett is the sick fuck of the week. He was trying to smuggle two razor blades into Rikers Island. Homeboy, you ain't getting out now. You're going to get uh, 20 years for that shit. For sure. I, I have one. Can I, can I interject? American tourist Stephen Cho, after taking a cocktail of ooey and Viagra, runs through the Thai airport butt-ass, throwing his shit at passengers is dookie his feces oh lock him up lock him up american tourists lock them up shit oh you if you're thailand, in thailand you, you do that you might not come back yeah so it's on uh it's on film people were, were were scared shitless in the airport he was naked and he was throwing his shit at people waiting to get their tickets i i have a rule if you're in a public place and someone's uh running around naked i'm automatically afraid of you that's yeah. just how my mind works. Because you might not be doing anything, but but yeah. you're obviously out of your fucking tree if you're running around in public butt naked, especially if you're butt naked with no shoes. <laughs> um, another sick fuck. It's like we're playing poker. Like I- I'm upping you. Like we're like yeah. a fake cop, a man who was running around California, Visala, California, Visala, California pretending to be a fake cop, pulled over and tried to arrest a real cop. You dumb <laughs> fuck. You dumb fuck you. <laughs> Damn. It just keeps getting better. Um, I have a, a, a sick fuck uh, jail guy. Since you're, you, you was talking about jail. Oh, go a ahead. A transgender guy. Wants to move to a women's prison. He's sick and tired of the Wonder Bread bag treatment. Jesus. And, uh, and you know, he, he petitioned the warden to try to go to a men's prison. I have, uh, uh, if I was the warden, I'd say the verdict is, before we move you, you got to be castrated. We can't move a biological male to a women's prison. Jesus Christ. We can't do that. Sorry. Yeah, but this guy shouldn't be getting the Wonder Bread bag treatment. If if if, if you know that you, you, I don't know. What did he do? <laughs> How did he get in jail in the first place? Hey, they didn't say. They just said he's tired of being a uh, worn out. Jesus. And he's like, yo, I want to go with the women because I'm a woman. But okay, you got to cut that off because we we can't have that over there. <laughs> um. Finally, this isn't a sick fuck of the week, but the sportsman of the year, 2017, Chris. Forrester, very controversial 2017 I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast Sportsman of the Year. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't agree with that. Um, he's the Miami Dolphins offensive line coach uh, who was caught on videotape. It wasn't caught. He videotaped it himself. Sniffing that ooey, uh, sniffing those gray skies, <laughs> sniffing that white powder. Apparently, he has been um, in a healthcare and a behavioral clinic and a rehab He's come out and said he's never felt better. 
He's never been happier. He's never oh. been more clear. No shit, Chris Foster. Because yeah. the last time we saw you, you were fucked up in the game, Duke. Yeah. He ain't clear. As soon as he get out, ooh-wee is back on the menu. Stop bullshitting, B. Um, these are three different things I want to talk about really quick. All right. And they all involve wild animals. A fourth swimmer, four swimmers have been attacked by sea lion at an aquatic park. Okay? This is like one of these parks where they have... I love sea lions, but they have attacked four people in the park in the last few months. Okay? And I'm going to segue to this. (laughs) Hundreds of bats. Bats, motherfucker. Bats. Yo, if I... Yo, I don't fuck with bats. I was in Mexico. I saw some bats. Literally, I almost shit myself. Oh, man. Hundreds of bats have been dying in a suburb of Sydney, Australia from heat exhaustion, from heat, from a heat wave. Imagine you're going for a nice walk into the forest and you see hundreds of dead bats. I just imagine that. Like, I would freak out off of that. Oh, uh, see, you bugging, see, man. So uh, what? They dead. What the fuck they going to do to you? <laughs> wait, because I'm tying this in together. The third part. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. In Palmetto Bay, Florida. Okay? There's been so many coyote sightings. You've seen how I get down with coyotes. You've seen yes. the coyotes in my neighborhood. We've talked about it on the podcast. Look on my Instagram. They are now explaining to residents of this neighborhood how to coexist and accept living with coyotes. Okay? I don't fuck with that neighborhood. I don't fuck with coyotes. Okay? Which brings me to point five. A woman in Louisiana who worked in a dog place, like where you go and, you know, dogs rest and stay, a boarding facility, was attacked and killed by a pit bull. See? Okay? The point is, is that I don't fuck with animals that you cannot beat and control in a fight. I don't fuck with bats. I don't fuck with coyotes. I don't fuck with pit bulls. I don't fuck with any of that shit. Here's another asshole. A big game hunter, okay, was crushed to death by a female elephant in Zimbabwe the other day. Wow. You out there trying to kill the elephants, and the elephant won. That's what you get, you fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I'm with that. The pachyderms. Good. Good. My thing, I say it once, I'll say it, I'll say it until, I'll say it again. I said it once, I'll say it again. Yo, if you want these wild animals, if you want these animals that could potentially do something, and, and, and you know, these watchdogs that are killers and all this stuff, yo, yo, be careful. Be careful. You shouldn't have bats. You shouldn't have coyotes. You shouldn't have snakes. You shouldn't have all that crazy shit in the home. The home is for hamsters, Cats and controllable dogs. That's it. Yeah, I would never have a pit bull in my house. I don't play that shit. I don't play that shit because he could he could upend your ass because he weigh more than me. If he get a running start, he could just flip my ass like Steve Atwater and these motherfuckers from football. I don't I don't want no dogs. Yeah. Well, but you, you see, Wheezy, Wheezy, Wheezy's great. Wheezy's great. I would have Wheezy in the crib, but imagine a big three two fifty. Pit bull in the other room. Who knows what this motherfucker is thinking? <laughs> All right, let's get to it. 
Pat McAfee, former NFL player, current podcaster, Barstool Sports personality, comedian, played in the NFL, played with Peyton Manning, great career, funny dude, good dude, coming up next on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. All right. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. It's a collab of sorts. It's a barstool collab of sorts. Pat McAfee, Patty Mac, Barstool Heartland, former NFL punter, retired to some for some fucking reason to become a comedian slash podcaster. Patty Mac, how you feeling, my man? I'm living, Rap. Thanks for having me on the show. I've always been a fan of yours, obviously, way back, seeing your beautiful face on the silver screen or gold screen, whatever the fuck you guys call it, and then getting a chance to meet you at Gillette Stadium. You're such a cool dude. This is an honor. Thanks for having me on. Ah, man, I appreciate it. So, so, Mac, so you've been retired now two seasons, right? Two NFL seasons? No, first season. This is the my first playoffs. This is my first season I've been retired. This is your first full NFL season? retired that you decided to become a comedian slash podcaster so what have you learned about becoming a comedian slash podcaster like what like this this first year like are you like what the fuck did i do i gave up playing in the nfl to do this fucking foolishness like what is your take on sort of what you learned about podcasting comedian uh, uh you know retirement there was a lot of moments early wherever we were building this studio we were operating the business which is barstool heartland out of my basement I was getting sick of seeing everybody. We were working like 14, 15 hours and just trying to create something that would catch on. Traveling around studio to studio. Bob and Tom helped us. There was a moment like five, six months after I retired where I was like, man, this is a bad idea. But then we got into our office. We got into our studio. We started hitting the podcast weekly. We started hitting a groove. We sold some tickets uh, to a couple comedy shows. And now we're just kind of... All the bullshit and the negativity kind of is in the rear view. Now we're feeling real good out here. We got a good group, a good thing going. When you say negativity, what do you mean? Just the, the doubters, like the questioning it? No, just like dealing with the logistical bullshit, man. Like I felt, so before I retired, the year before I retired, I did a comedy tour around Indiana and sold out in like 22 minutes or something. I sold like 12,000 tickets in like 22 minutes across the state of Indiana. So I felt real comfortable with the fact that if everything crashed and everything went to zero, like I could bank on stand-up comedy for at least another year or two because I got uh, uh, some good stories to tell. I knew that I had a following. It wasn't a a massive national following, but I knew I had a low local following that I thought I could sell tickets to if I had to. The the negativity was just dealing with all the bullshit, figuring out like business contracts and like interns, dealing with people on a daily basis. Like the whole thought of just being a business now. I was so much more busy than I ever was in the NFL and that mm. was really like mm. the thought where I was like, God damn, I'm never home. I'm fucking always working. I'm trying to figure something out and I'm just trying to make a billion dollars and punting wasn't going to do that. So now I'm j- just trying to get it how I can right now, rep. All right, so you were a pro bowler, uh, all pro, all everything. Like you were, you were, you were a top level NFL player. You you were a punter. Um, did you retire because you just felt like your your time was up? Did you retire because you felt injuries? Like what was the reason why you said I'm done? I had three surgeries in four years. What were the surgeries? So uh, meniscus. Uh, I had a dislocated patella which is your kneecap it's super i had a dislocated kneecap the entire like the last uh six games seven games 
of last season. So my kneecap was just sitting on the right side. So it was bouncing around. It tore cartilage around everywhere. So they went in there. I have this big, long scar of them just plucking cartilage out of my knee. Mm. Then I had both meniscuses and, and everything like that. Just regular wear and tear for kicker and punters. But I played soccer my entire life, and I had a heavy fucking... Heavy leg. Could I have been all pro if I wanted to continue to do so? I think so for the next couple of years. I think there's some young guys, and I think Johnny Hecker's really fucking good, obviously. But I was doing stuff that was really changing the game. I had a lot of creativity with it. And I felt like I'd got to the top of the mountain, and I didn't like the view as much, rap. It was just like, I thought, because I sucked at the beginning of my career. I was terrible at punting. I kind of learning as I was going, figured it out. Then I thought, like, if I become, like, the best in the game, top couple guys in the, in the league, it'll be a lot more fun. And I just, I wasn't finding a lot of happiness, man. You get booed by your home team when you're going onto the field most of the time because it means the offense failed. If you have a shit game, you can't, like, in basketball, if your shot's off, like, you can put effort in on defense, right? You can effort. You can out-effort it. In football, guys, you can out, like, Blake Bortles couldn't throw a football for his life, but he started running, right? Like, you can out-effort. In punting... Like, if you're having a bad day, like, you can't do shit. Like, there ain't nothing you could do to get back on. So it's, like, always at the forefront of your mind. It's all you think about. And I was just, I got to the point where I was like, man, I just want to free my brain to think about shit that, like, can make me happy. Like, I just want to make the world a happier place and just have a good time. And that's really what I've been into now. And we're just creating a shit ton of content on a daily basis, trying to make the world a happier place, rap, just like you. <laughs> so Barstool Heartland, I've never actually spent any quality time in the heartland okay what 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 goes on in the heartland and where exactly is the heartland okay so the heartland is just a mindset okay it's not a state of mind it's like a place that like hey we're gonna have a good time we're gonna live life right we're gonna work hard we're just gonna enjoy it like the heartland is a mindset more than a place a lot of people say now granted before we started barstool heartland the heartland is like from like south dakota north dakota all the way over to like pennsylvania and shit like that and then there's a like a belt but no it's we have so many people that listen to us just because we we just have a good time i mean that's just what barstool heartland is we're in indianapolis indiana which is the greatest convention city on earth so so many people come through here and we just have a good time man we just have a that's what it's all about brother i just got me and my friends two from back home a couple other guys that i've picked up along the way and we're just having a good time so, like, when you guys drive to the Barstool Studios in, in Indianapolis, like, do you drive, like, in tractors? Like, is it, <laughs> like, like, how do you, like, are there cars and stuff out there? Like, give me 2018 in the heartland uh, of Indianapolis today. Like, what, what is it like? Paint a picture for me for a city slicker like myself. Like, what do you got for me? Hey, I understand you bi-coastal motherfuckers have no idea how the rest of America lives. You guys are over there in your la-la land and your big-ass city, both of which I uh -huh. love, by the way. I love when I get to go to New York City. My lady loves it. We get the shot. Like, it's so cool to be there. But I drive, I mean, I got a pretty jacked up truck that I drive around. It, it feels pretty good, especially with the big homie Polar Vortex coming in, shooting his wad all over the place. So I got a big truck. We got guys that walk to work. They live downtown. Uh, I got a scooter. I mean, we we just, we live regular lives over here. I also drive a Tesla. You know, so I'm trying to help out the world, okay. too. Yeah, so I'm, okay. I, got, I got one of those as well. So I understand the mindset outside, but we just don't have a beach to go to, but we got a hell of a fucking field. I got you. I got you. I, I like how you dropped that Tesla thing. Like, don't forget, I still played in the NFL, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's that NFL money. That's not that Barstool Heartland money. That's that NFL money. I'll tell you what, I'm... I'm 
I'm doing okay in this whole Barstool Heartland thing. We're making some companies that are in the middle of America happy. They're getting a chance to reach an entire different demographic on the internet because in the middle of America, you got a lot of old school companies. So you got old companies trying to find a new platform and we're the way to go for them is basically the way it goes. So we're doing okay. But yeah, man, I wear jean shorts and tank tops and and Ah. hoodies and shit like that. And I walk into some of these high-end stores and I get fucking laughed out of the building and I'm like, excuse me, I would like that one. Give me that one, please. Yeah, I, I am your basic-looking motherfucker who happens to have got overly paid in my last profession. All right, so you had a, you had a big part in the um, the tailgate show. Now you're a married man, correct? Yes, I'm not married. Very close though. Pressures on everywhere. Okay, pressures on everywhere. So so you guys got to travel around. Uh, you're in the heartland. You do a lot of. You're a college football fan. You played college football. Um, now, it, for the young guns out there, the, the, the non-married, close-to-being-married people, what did you see in terms of the college campuses? If, if, if you were going to say, like, well, if a, if a younger person who's not retired, who's not close to being married and getting pressured every day, uh, was looking to see the most beautiful women in the country, what <laughs> campuses did you witness that on? That's very interesting. We saw a lot of dudes, though, man. We had the massive amount of dudes that follow around the Barstool Sports thing is outrageous. Because I asked Dave Portnoy, who is a separated man, so he plays the field. I'm like, man, your DMs have got to be wild. Like, you just sold your company to Churning Group for millions. You're an internet guy. And he's like, mostly dudes. And we ran into that as well. But there was a lot of schools that surprised the fuck out of me. Virginia Tech is a hell of an environment. I'm Mm. talking everything about it. The party was wild. The people were nice. Beautiful women. Beautiful dudes even out there in the fucking it was virginia tech surprised the fuck out of me michigan though it all made sense like why michigan people have that air about them it all made sense their houses were mansions these kids were living and they were driving around and fucking like i saw a couple bentleys rolling around in front of college kids houses that's just like that's crazy yeah you're 100 right and then ohio state we're at a frat where like a couple dudes came running up to me. It's the first week, so we didn't even know what the show was going to be. We get there, and you got like frat bros. We're staying there all day, by the way, watching the games. Like, you want to get geared up, cuz? You want to get geared up? I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, cocaine! I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Like, you guys should just take Adderall, I think. So between the jewels and the parties and everything like that, I think Virginia Tech surprised me the most because it's out in the middle of nowhere, bro. Out in the middle of nowhere. All right, respect to Virginia Tech and everything that's going on out there and to all the people that are getting geared up out there. Hold your head. All right, so so football. You played uh, uh, at West Virginia. You guys had an offense, high-powered offense. You you obviously played in the NFL. As far as college, what was the craziest environment that you stepped into when you were playing at West Virginia? Like, what crowd were you, like, impressed with, like, that made, a, like, a mark? Like, these guys are really into it. You know what? That's interesting because back whenever we were running in the Big East, like, Louisville was gigantic then. Petrino was there for his first stop. Brian Brom was there. We played in the Sugar Bowl, which was in Atlanta because of Hurricane Katrina against mm. Georgia in the, in the uh, Georgia Dome. That place was fucking wild all week. But to be honest, for me, I was so hit or miss in college. Like playing at home was a nightmare almost for me because there was a lot. I wasn't the best 
kicker on earth. I had a gigantic leg, all-time leading scorer, but that wasn't mean. I was I was a college kicker. I mean, there was mm-hmm. there was a chance I was hammered drunk 48 hours before the game, and then I'm playing out there making bad decisions, just kicking the ball. I think home was really the hardest place for me to play at, but I loved everywhere. I, I enjoyed every single state, even Rutgers, man. Rutgers had DJ Yoshi there. Like Whenever I was there, DJ Yoshi was just starting up where he had just a table on the sideline and one speaker, and it was like mm-hmm. the first time I'd seen a DJ like rocking the sideline and he crushed it so it was like everywhere just has its own beautiful atmosphere in its own way because college is its own world rap it's its own fucking world all right these these quarterbacks there's my man josh the chosen one rosen uh baker mayfield josh allen sam darrell who's gonna be the uh uh uh, like the real deal in in the nfl next year or the year after like are any of these guys nfl ready what is you what do you make on these quarterbacks coming out of uh college this year i think it all depends on who gets like the pairing of a coach and a head, uh, quarterback is so gigantic so i mean that's a monster issue specifically I, why because like johnny manzel okay when he got drafted to the browns that head coach did not want johnny manzel to be there johnny manzel made a couple plays in the first half like i got a chance to watch during the bye week he was scrambling rolling he was making plays on outside the pocket making things happen they were moving the ball i think they even had the lead which is wild yeah. and at halftime the coach got interviewed by the lady uh, i forget who it was and he goes well our quarterback needs to learn to be patient in the pocket and shit like that and i'm like well you don't get it then right like i don't think that guy was set up for johnny manzel to be successful now granted will johnny manzel be a pocket quarterback in canada i mean who the fuck knows i don't think so he's gonna move all over the place that's what johnny manzel is if baker mayfield gets tied with a quarterback coach and a head coach that enjoy that style of play i mean i think he could be dangerous for a little bit but people will figure him out just like rg3 got figured out after a year and a half two years the rosen one seems to be an interesting dude he's got hot tub in his fucking dorm room that that dude's lived a pretty chosen life i mean that guy's living a a very chosen life he can't move but he's got a great arm apparently and that darnold character is supposedly the guy that everybody's going to really want because he's the combination of all three but who the fuck knows everything is such a situational situation that you could like andrew luck wouldn't be andrew luck if it wasn't for Bruce Arians, his rookie year. Explain that. What do you mean by that? Because Bruce Arians like just had 100% faith in him and like let him just open up the playbook. Now, Andrew Luck obviously learned the playbook before everybody else, and he wasn't even there for a few months. But Bruce Arians let him be himself and like throw the deep ball and like make plays. If you have a coach that is like restricting, like Mitchell Trubisky had zero chance to be successful. I mean, that dude had zero. They were calling every single play was a three-yard route or something like that. Like there was no chance to open it up. And if you're throwing those short routes, like corners can just sit on that. So you're going to get fucked anyways. Like Bruce Arians is one of those guys, the reason why he's called the quarterback whisperer is because he gets these quarterbacks just to loosen up, lighten it up. And not now granted, did Andrew make a lot of mistakes? Yeah, but it's all about the coach. I think the coach has a lot more play than anything on earth. That's why Peyton Manning and Tom Moore and Clyde Christensen are so tight because like I think a quarterback coach is a big deal for you. Frank Reich with Carson Wentz right now is a great guy. So so in regard to like like uh uh the Johnny Manziel, obviously he made mistakes on his own. Why would they pick a, a quarterback who like it's why the would Browns, it bro? Go on, elaborate. It's the Browns rap. They, they yeah. just the Browns just for some reason that city has such an incredible fan base. Right, they love football. Even before whenever the before it went to Baltimore, before the Browns became the Ravens. Right before that, like back in the day, like the Browns were dying. I'm from Pittsburgh, so all we were taught was to hate Cleveland. Like mm. Cleveland hates Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh hates Cleveland. And their fan base, the dog pound, is still 
so incredibly loyal. And that team just can't seem to make a right decision. They can't fuck up and make a right decision. Like Russell no, Wilson they, was a fuck up that was a great decision. Like they can't even fuck up and accidentally get good. They can't do shit. Well, I, I was really offended. Listen, I have no stake in the Cleveland Browns, okay? But I was offended as an NFL fan of, of this parade they threw this weekend. They threw a 0-16 parade where they, they basically celebrated 0-16. They say it was a protest. I say if you're going to protest, just stop showing up to the fucking games. I also think it was a hipster elite uh, uh, congregation. You as a player, if you were on a team that's 0-16, or what is your take as a former player of a parade being thrown, whether they call it a protest or what, what was your take on this 0-16 parade that the Cleveland Browns uh, fans threw this past weekend? I was on a team that was almost completely defeated rep. I was almost on an 0-16 team. What year was that? Uh, 2011. My rookie year, we were undefeated. We didn't lose until we chose to lose against the goddamn Jets, and then we chose to lose against the Buffalo Bills when we sat Peyton and everybody like that. Right. Put Curtis Painter in there. He got murdered. Then we won all the way to the Super Bowl, lost to the Saints. Fast forward two years later, I walk into training camp and I see Peyton with all these goddamn wires attached to his neck in the training room. And I'm like, mm. what, what the fuck's going on here? And they're like, oh, we don't know when he's going to be back. I'm like, somebody should have told me to train a little harder this offseason because I thought we had Peyton Manning playing quarterback. I didn't know we we're going to almost break the punting record, right? So that next year, we go 0 and I think 0 and 10, 0 and 11 at one point. And then we get a win. Dan Orlovsky comes in, who was a part of the 0 and 16 Lions. He gets a win for us. <coughs> then he gets another win. We are 2 and 14. And to be honest, we were so excited that we were not a part of the 0 and 16 crowd. Right. Like that is I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody, but for me, I'm like, man, I'm happy we're not on the 0 and 16 rem memory lane like the Detroit Lions and now the Browns. Just like the first year, we wanted to be undefeated because not we, but the older guys on the team. I was too young to have an opinion. Wanted to uh, compete with the 72 Dolphins for undefeated ship. They wanted to be talked about in that conversation. So the 0 and 16 one just sucks dick. And if the fans can do whatever the fuck the fans want to do, man, if you're that loyal of a fan base and your team has let you down so much and you want to find a minor victory and becoming the second team that has completely fucking sucked for 16 straight games, like do your thing and party. Like I enjoy that a lot. But if I was a player on the team, I would definitely, it'd be an awkward situation walking into the stadium the next year, regardless of the parade or not. You, competed 16 times and attempted to do your job in a successful fashion it didn't work it's going to be awkward anyways so when you're on a team that that is, is is struggling that bad how how bad is it coming into work like how frustrating is it like do you go into actual games knowing like yo we're not going to be able to beat this team like they're just better than us like we have no chance at beating with them we're going to go out there and give it the old college try but they're just a better team every day sucked because every coach thought they were getting fired so they were trying to pawn the blame off on other coaches every player thought they were going to get cut it's just you're walking into a cemetery it's just it, the place sucks there's no energy in there there's nothing and i used to play quarterback against our defense for the scout team Okay. Oh shit. Yeah. So I would play quarterback against like our um the shell basically. So the DBs and the linebackers. And I would have a card and we would have people run routes and everything. And I was the quarterback. Here's your read, here's your read, here's your read. Okay. And we played a Tampa two defense at the time, and we were playing against Drew Brees when he had Jimmy Graham. And that week, before mm. that game, I might have thrown for ten thousand yards. I might have me against that defense <laughs> with the same plays the Saints were playing when we knew we were going to Jimmy Graham. We only had like four wideouts. And I threw for 10 grand that week, no doubt. We go to that game, 
It's a Sunday night football game, I believe, or a Monday night football game. And boy, we got fucking drummed. I think it was 60 to nothing or something like that. And that was really the only time. No, I think we scored some points, but it was a fucking blowout. That was the only time really personally I knew like, man, we're going to get killed. Because there was like eight to nine games where we could have won. Like if we would have pulled off a play or two, like we could have won like eight to nine games, you know, every game is so close. Even in the 0-16 Browns, they probably almost won four or five games. They just didn't Mm -hmm. do it. It's the way it goes. But that week against the Saints, I was like, bro, I'm fucking lighting up this week. Like the the ball would have been on fire if it was like old school NBA jams, bro. (laughs) I was just slinging that rock around the fucking yard, bro. All right. So when you when you're kicking your, your career as a punter. Yeah. Who do you remember like lining up against that you were like, this guy's fucking nuts? Who's the biggest shit talker? Antonio Brown. It was a fucking nightmare. He should have never went back to the return. Antonio Brown got super famous. He got super rich. And in my eyes, we're supposed to play him the next year. He's not playing returner anymore. Like he's too expensive. He's too valuable. So they have another returner in for the first two punts, and we had a read on that guy that if we hit it high, like if we got a 5-0 hang time, he's going he's gonna to muff it. He gets a little scared in traffic. He's going to drop it. So we got two, like, quick muff punts early. Boom, boom. So Tomlin pulls out the returner, and now I go out there with the jog for the third punt. I'm, like, about to get the ball back again up in this motherfucker, and they go into return number 84, Antonio Brown, and the whole stadium loses its shit, and I'm sitting back there like 14 and a half yards behind the line of scrimmage, just screaming to Antonio Brown, who's 50 yards away, trying to make a 64-yard yell, like, the fuck are you doing back there? Asshole, right? So I punt it to him. He catches it, makes like four people miss, and ends up just running straight to the sideline. I'm the first person on their sideline, right? Like, what? The, you are too fucking rich to be back here right now. Like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, Pat, I got to, man, with his big-ass smile. It's like, I got along with so many returners because before the games... Whenever, even guys that aren't returners, but they're wide receivers who might be a returner at some point, they're out there before the game catching punts when the punters are on the field, and their team is punting this way, and we're punting that way, so Uh. the returners are right next to me. So I get a chance to chat with literally everybody. Like, I've talked to, me and Josh Cribbs were boys before he came to the Colts, because every time we played him, I would have a full conversation with him, like, don't run me over, dog. Like, listen, we get an open field, like, don't run me over. The only person who didn't talk to me is your boy, Julian Edelman. Didn't say a single fucking word, bro. You tried to start a conversation with him? Yeah, for sure, because he was a monster returner. He was, like, best returner in the league. People forget about that before he became this superstar wide receiver and everything like that. He was the best returner in the league in my eyes because he was, like, so – his leverage was so low. He was so fucking good. He was just incredible. He, he gave us nightmares, right? So, like, the first time he came in, I saw him on film. He's standing right next to me because we're punting the opposite direction. Ryan, I think it was Ryan Allen, or it could have been um, the other big lefty from Michigan. I go, hey, man, good for you back there. Like fucking Kent State quarterback. Now you're like the best returner in the league. White guy fucking dominating. Good for you, man. And he goes, didn't even look at me, caught the ball, and just ran away. And I'm like, fuck me, right? He gets a return that game. He shook the shit out of me, took it to the house, and then I tackled him on the next one. He almost had two touchdown returns that same night. It was like, this guy's going to fucking kill me. It was just a nightmare situation. That's dope. Who's the fastest person you've ever seen run? Uh, Trinan Holiday. You could actually tell the difference between him and Julian Antonio, all like he was the fastest. Yeah. Yup. Because he, I have a tackle that's on the internet everywhere of me blowing him up because he was a much smaller guy. 
But yeah, I ain't seen never it. seen somebody get a ball and get. I mean, Tyreek Hill, obviously. Uh, like, let me take back everything I just said about Trenton Holiday. Tyreek Hill is the fastest motherfucker to ever walk onto a football field. That's the guy. But Trenton Holiday was before him. Tyreek Hill is what Trenton Holiday was times two with like incredible hands. Like that's that's kind of what it is. Like Olympic speed. Those guys uh-huh. with Olympic speed are just another animal. Th- those guys that can really move. And Trenton Holiday and Tyreek Hill are both those guys. Tyreek Hill is a different fucking animal, bro. He's so fast. It's absurd. It's cheating. Speed kills matchups, too. That's the number one quote in the NFL. And what about defenders? Who were the guys that, like, made you nervous, scared you, like the meanest, shit-talkingest guys that were on the other side where you're matching up to kick a punt? There's So it's always, like, nobody, everybody seemed to like me, okay, which was very nice of them. I think it was very nice of everybody that they seemed to like me, except for Julian Edelman, who didn't talk. But I seem to have got along with almost everybody because I would go on NFL Network like every Wednesday morning and do something. And I would just like basically just talk shit about how everybody covers football. It's basically what I'm doing. So I think players like like that. I think a lot of guys followed me on Twitter. It was a pretty cool thing whenever like guys would walk up to me and they're like, hey, man, we're a big fan. I'm a big fan of yours. Like that's like uh, that was really cool for me after the game. But any of those dudes, like any Jarrell Casey, number 99 for the fucking Titans, he would stick on like for punt block every once in a while. And I'd see his big ass like lined up over our long snapper who's 235 pounds. And I'm like, motherfucker, like if this guy really wants to come break me in half, he can do that at any moment he wants to. And it was, it's situations like that where there are so many just incredible freak human beings on a football field that you just, you just hope not to die a lot of the time, and that's kind of what you do. You just go in there. So what is the actual penalty for, for the hitting the kicker? So while you're punting, if they hit you in your plant leg, it's a, f- a five-yard, and if they hit you in the kicking leg, it's a 15-yard, I believe, or the opposite. It's one or the other. So there's like a, an actual, during the kicking motion, if they hit you in this leg, it's five-yard, it's running into. If they hit you in this leg, it's roughing the, the punter. But the reason why is because if you take out a punter, or a kicker, that can flip a game immediately. Immediately. Because you don't even think about that. Like, people don't even think about special teams. These guys you've never heard of who may have been signed on Thursday can get a block in the back or a hold or take out another person's returner on one big hit or one face mask, and it's just over for the team immediately. Like, there's there's so many little things that can happen, and if you take out the punter, if you just kind of open up the rules of taking out the punter, that can change the outcome of... A, a lot of fucking game. I mean, that could really change the whole pace of the game. But I don't think the hitting afterwards, like they they get something where you're like a defenseless player, like the quarterbacks get after an interception. Right. I think that's only if you're attempting to stay out of it. Like if you're actually attempting to make a play, you're not defenseless. You're it's just like you got an older gentleman who used to punt and kick. They would punt and then just walk off the field, and then those dudes would get lit up. They're like, hey, that guy is just trying to fucking do his job and get the fuck out of here. But I think nowadays you got so many punters and kickers that want to make a play, mostly so the internet can make have a day with it. I don't think the defenseless play really comes in into play that much. What do you think, now that you're your official part of the media, you've been retired for a year, what do you think of people, fans, even other Barstool people, like, this player sucks, he sucks, this guy ain't shit? Because I know you must have a different understanding of respect of, of every player, whether it's the best player, the quote-unquote worst player, the biggest mistake, the biggest bust. What, what is your take on that? Because you, you know that nobody sucks and that everybody's fantastic. Well, everything's in relation to, right? I mean, everybody's speaking in relation to. 
Like, this guy sucks in relation to the other NFL players. So I completely understand that. I even understood that whenever I was playing. But the thought that people, like, the things that people think are in some players' control are just out, just mind blowing for me. Like, the fact that, like, like Cam Newton threw that pass, which would have the touchdown earlier that the guy dropped. Like, I think a lot of people just think like people do things on purpose by the way they react. Like people, like that guy wanted to drop that on purpose. Like right. that guy, you know what I mean? Like, I think people forget that these are humans out there. Like there's a lot of humans out there. Like even, even Peyton Manning takes his pants off the shit, you know, like everybody is just a human trying to do their best at everything they do. Have you ever actually seen Peyton Manning take his pants off the shit? Cause you brought it up. I didn't ask you that. It's a weird thing to bring up. Have you ever actually seen him? do that no i have not but i just i've got okay. a chance to drink beers with him a few times and he's a very just normal motherfucker who happens to be okay. a, a an idiot savant of, of football but it's just it you, i know why you brought it up though that's hilarious uh-huh. <laughs> you're a fucking, it's just a weird thing like we're having a good conversation about football and then you're talking about another man pulling his pants off the shit and i just wanted to make sure like it was you know if you want to go down that alley i'm i'm happy to take it down there yeah everything's kosher no like the um I'm just saying, like, a lot of you just got normal humans who happen to be good at sports playing up there. So they, like, I, I just think that that whole thought is lost because we put everybody up on a pedestal so much that people forget that there are just basic motherfuckers out there who are really good at sports. All this Patriot stuff that's going on, uh, in the, like, I, me personally, listen, I can't stand the Patriots, but I've come to terms with the fact that I, I inevitably, barring injury, I feel like they're going to win the Super Bowl. All this shit that's been going on the last week with Belichick hates Brady, the trainer is in cahoots with Brady to get Belichick out of here, and the owner of this and all that stuff. What is your take on the Patriot way? And now that you're part of the media, is is is, is this scrutiny and this questioning over the New England Patriots? Is this just made up? Like, do they plant this shit? Just, like, what the fuck is the deal with the Patriots and everybody on their ass about like every single thing that happens with them? Everybody hated the Yankees. Everybody hated the Lakers. Anytime, and people were hating the Kardashians. I mean, you just you can. Yeah, well, they should. But I got you. But you like anytime you Pat, w- you're fucking crazy, man. You just compared the Yankees, the Patriots to the Kardashians. Bro, flip the sex tape into a hundred million dollar business. I mean, come the fuck on, bro. Facts. That's a fact. What they have done is a winning a operation over the horrible, despicable lifestyle. But Jesus Christ, what a life! But it's anytime you win. There's egos involved, there's hate involved, there's envy involved. Since the beginning of time, peasants have been going after the king. I mean, that's just something mm-hmm. that is is real. I mean, it's just the way it goes. But there's where there's where there's some sort of conver- every rumor has some sort of truth to it. But mm-hmm. to think that that truth would be something that would derail an absolute empire in the NFL behind a lot of good brains up there like Belichick, Kraft, and Tom Brady, I don't think I mean, business relationships happen all the fucking time. And even if it was love for the first 13 years of success or 14 years of success, I mean, business relationships correlate all the time. The Guerrero, Alex Guerrero, body guru kickoff thing, I think gave people a lot of ammunition to think that it's going to blow up. But I just don't see how it happens. I mean, I just don't. They are so successful. And maybe they get to the point where they each want to kind of do their own thing to see if they can do it by themselves. Justin Timberlake left in sync. I mean, nobody thought, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it goes. So who knows? I, I don't think it's that big of a deal, and I don't think it will derail them from winning this Super Bowl. They're fucking unbelievable. And Gronk, Gronk's unstoppable. McDaniels is a genius. Matt Patricia has figured out a way to plug and place any player in that defense. It's just it's a really good team. Now, I have a real problem with Matt Patricia's pencil in the ear. Like, for some reason... 
from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, Matt Patricia keeps a, a, a totally sharpened pencil in his ear, yet he's reading his plays and doing his plays off a Lamnet thing. Do you think Matt Patricia is a low-key hipster and he's just like out there like posing? Like what's with the pencil in the ear? <laughs> Like, what is the point of the pencil in the ear? Your plays are on a laminate thing. You need a marker. Why do you have a pencil in your the entire fucking game? Like, should we get this guy an apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and just call it a wrap? <laughs> you know these fucking guys. Is he a hipster? What's your take on it? I want the hard truth from Patty Mack in the heartland. I don't know. I've always been a mechanical pencil person myself. Diehard mechanical pencil. I don't know how anybody else does anything else, by the way. I'm a diehard mechanical pencil guy. Maybe it's his good luck pencil. There's people who have like good luck cigars who play poker. That one guy chews on that one cigarette all the time. I mean, maybe that's just his thing. You know, maybe that pencil's been through war with him and back and he's just ready to go. At any given time, if he needs to jot down some shit, old school, fucking mm. Tycon Daroga, number two pencil is ready on deck on the ear. Let's go. All right, fine. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to let you go. Final question. There's eight teams left in the NFL. Jaguars are playing the Steelers. The Falcons are playing the Eagles. Titans are playing the Patriots. Saints are playing the Vikings. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl based on everything you know, barring any injuries, and I hope nobody gets injured? I have no fucking idea. Because you, <laughs> you can't bar any injuries. You can't. Because right. what if Antonio Brown's foot isn't as good as he's saying it is? Then all of a sudden the Steelers are nowhere near what the Steelers are. But they could beat the Jaguars. That defense is nasty. That defense True. is nasty. That's a really – what Tom Coughlin – but they do have Le'Veon Bell, though, who can run like a motherfucker. So I think that's a that's the game changer. But Antonio Brown is just – he's just the guy. I mean, you got you got to have safety over the top on him at all fucking times. You got the alien Martavis Bryant on the other side in Juju Smith-Schuster plus Lev Bell in the back, so you have to pack the box. I mean, they seem to be like an unbeatable team, but then the Patriots did just a few weeks ago. And then the Vikings, nobody fucking talks about them, and they might just come up out of nowhere and fucking win at the home. I think the Patriots ultimately win, but I cannot wait to watch the AFC Championship game between the Steelers and the Patriots, a rematch of what was ended in a terrible fashion just a few weeks ago. So I think it's the Patriots again for sure. Oh, yeah, I agree. What, what, what is your take on the, the James Harrison going from the Steelers to the Patriots? I'm just glad that he's posting uh, workout videos. What is your take on that from a football business point of view and, and, and just like a loyalty thing? I mean, people are burning his jerseys. What's your opinion on that? The loyalty thing is so interesting with me because in any negotiation or anything that happens between NFLPA and the NFL – the NFL always wins the public appearance. When we had the lockout, the NFL seemed to be, they did better PR making us look bad. We looked like a bunch of spoiled millionaires. They kind of painted mm. this image. So I think the NFL, the team, since they have brought so much to each individual city, in this particular case, the Steelers have done so much for the city of Pittsburgh. You're talking about a diehard fan base. The Yenzers are all in on the Steelers. Okay, I, I save all day, all week for the Steelers game on Sunday. They're all in. So the mm. fact that James Harrison, Debo, one of their heroes, would choose to leave the city to go to every other team's most hated <laughs> team, the Patriots, I think they saw that as a personal attack against them. But for James Harrison, he's an older player. Anytime you can chase a, a Super Bowl ring, you're going to do that. Ring chasing happens all the time. And now that he's got fresh 
blue and red Debo gear up there in New England. He's got a whole new demo selling shit. But if you've noticed, the Patriots don't let him work out in the Patriots gym. He's in the fucking LA Fitness doing curls and shit. You see that? Oh, is that what it wasn't in the Patriots gym? It looked as if it was like a public gym. I saw him doing his new, his first workout video because I honestly didn't know if James Harrison did anything else other than work out, get acupuncture, and the fucking the cups. Yeah, that dude must be the most physically fit human on earth. Whenever he was doing that video in Pittsburgh and he was screaming at the iPhone that they got this motherfucker sitting on the sideline and his tits were just ba- I'm like, that dude is a fucking animal. I'm happy the workout videos are back as well, but I thought the Patriots would cut that out for sure. All right, listen, Patty Mac, I appreciate you uh, rocking Where me are on you? the Iron You're in Rapport. LA? I'm in LA, man. I, listen, I might be coming out to uh, uh, Minnesota for the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe I make a trip trip to the heartland. You drive me around in your tractor. We ride some horses. Whatever you guys do out there, I'm open. I'm game. Uh, I, I want to see you, man. I'd like to see your fucking old ass on a dirt bike. Let's do it, man. I'm you fuck you. <laughs> Dude. Do you have dirt bikes out there? Yeah, I just got a dirt bike for Christmas. I got a couple quads. I got some land. I got like 13 acres. I got a barn and shit. See, I like that when you, I, I respect when you drop your NFL shit because you're like, I got a barn, I got a Tesla, I got 13 acres. I like when you remind people that you, you know, you weren't just, uh, you weren't just fucking around in the NFL. Well, listen, we can buy all that shit with comedy money too if we need be, but I got a whole barn full of bad decisions in there. I got a wrestling ring too, rap, if you want to get in there. <laughs> I got oh, a lot shit. of dumb shit. I used to get very intoxicated and make very bad financial decisions. And I think the world gets to reap the benefit of that. That is fucking funny. All right, cool, man. Well, if, if I come out to the heartland, we'll get into the wrestling. Uh, we'll get into the wrestling, and I'll show you what I got. I got an atomic elbow drop that you'll be impressed with. It's called the Jewish drop. You never seen anything like that. I do it off the. I do it off the bottom rope. I do it right off the bottom rope. You never seen anything like that in Indiana. Like it'll stop traffic. Hey, I heard you do the voiceover of Kevin Owens documentary that year. That was yeah. cool. You did well. That was a good documentary. I know Ko. I'm a pretty big fan of his. Yeah, he's dope. He's dope. Um, all right, Mac. Yo, I appreciate it, my man. Hey, where's Moody? <laughs> He's back in New York. He'll be back soon. Tell him I said what's up. Have a good time out there in L.A., dude. Be safe. I will. You too. All right, see you. All right, I want to thank our guest, Pat McAfee, for rocking with the best on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Yep. The playoffs, the NFL playoffs are going off and I, I'm making a call right now on the Iron Rap Stereo podcast um, that the Jacksonville Jaguars the Jaguars of Jacksonville, Florida are going to go into Pittsburgh and upset the Pittsburgh Steelers um, and Miles Davis uh, producer extraordinaire let me get another beat Miles thank you <laughs> I like that somebody quoted us on Twitter somebody said yo let me get some funk Miles Yes. Um, we were at the uh, Colin Cowherd show the other day. I was with my guy Skip and Shannon and Dick Coward. Um, and, and Miles reminded me that um, when the Pittsburgh Steelers played the Jaguars last time, week five of the NFL season, and all you people out there are like, I don't like sports. I got a little something for everyone. We listen every. Se- I said this once before. I'm gonna say it again. Every segment can't be for everyone, but every podcast has so much for everyone. Okay. Yes. If you don't want to hear my prediction on the Jacksonville Jaguars, Pittsburgh Steelers, press the fucking button that says 15 seconds forward. Yeah. 
Okay, because then the next person is going to say, don't talk about Trump. And then the person after that is going to say, well, why are you talking about the NBA? I can't fucking, everything out of my mouth isn't going to please everybody. Word. You know how much I would like to talk every single episode about the Real Housewife franchise? I'd be talking to myself. Moody would put the fucking phone down. <laughs> I've tried it. I would love to talk about the Real Housewives every single episode. New Jersey just ended. A part of my life has been taken away. Okay? I can't do it. I can't, can't do, do it. it. My co-host, the three-time co-host of the year, could give two shits about the housewives. Hell, yeah. <laughs> and I tell him to his face. I'll tell him right now. It's his loss. But the point is, is that not every segment is going to be for everybody. Now, back to my prediction. That game, week five, Ben Roethlisberger got his ass handed to him. I believe he had five interceptions. And after the game, he was questioning life, love, and existence. He said, I might not have it anymore. The Jacksonville Jaguars had this guy ready to quit football. They have a young defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers obviously, you know, figured it out, and, and, and they've been rocking and rolling. But I guarantee you Ben Roethlisberger has not been sleeping this week worried about that Jacksonville defense. Blake Bortles is the quarterback for Jacksonville. He stinks. Blake Bortles is a trash pale quarterback. But their defense is so good that they're formidable. They remind me of the Ray Lewis Ravens that won the Super Bowl versus the Colin Kaepernick 49ers a few years ago. Okay. And now I'm not see. saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I predict them to beat Pittsburgh this week. I okay. also predict the New Orleans Saints to beat the Minnesota Vikings in a close, tough game. Me too. I like Drew Brees as a motherfucker, man. I think he had his best season ever. Drew Brees is that that's the difference. A great quarterback can win the game. Win the game for you. And uh Tom Brady and those guys, of course, are going to win. And I believe Philadelphia is going to win. And, uh, you know, I don't see anything happening to the to the New England Patriots. But that is my sort of hot take. I've been thinking about it. I really think Pittsburgh is in trouble. Uh, Antonio Brown is coming off uh, an unusual, vague injury that kept him out. Um, and let me tell you something. You, you ever have like a, a stub toe or a uh, swollen, uh, sprained ankle, or like a bad knee or a shoulder, Mr. Moody? Of course. Turf toe, I had all that. Okay, and it's exasperated in the cold weather. Oh, yeah. So they're playing out in Pittsburgh. It's going to be brick cold. Listen, I fuck with Pittsburgh. I want them to win, but I have a feeling. I got a feeling. Shout out to... uh, I got a feeling. Shout out out to Will (laughs) I Am. Uh, Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Will I Am is rich, by the way. Of course. I mean, he's really rich. That song, I Got a Feeling, just off that song, I, I can't imagine how much money they made off just that song. Right. I, but the I remember company. I was with your brother in Thailand, and they were playing that shit like it was the only song that was ever invented. Yeah. International shit. You, yo, the record company made a killing. I don't know about him. He made a killing because at that did. point in his career, Homeboy's rich. I was at his office. but That, that dude's rich. And he got something okay. to do with Dre Beats. Homeboy's rich. Good. Good for that brother. I don't even know where I am. I just, I made my prediction and that's it. I made my okay. prediction and, and, and that's it. Um, 
This was a doozy. There's going to be more doozies, more heat, more fire. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Man Dingo. Hey, Rap. Yeah. I have to shout out the Basketball Hall of Fame for acknowledging me as the three-peat co-host of the year. Yes. They sent me a nice basketball. I appreciate that. Love you guys. And I want to shout out official Fantasy Rings and my man Greg for giving me that ring, acknowledging that fact as well. You're a a three-time champion. You're a three-time champion. I mean, you you deserve it. Absolutely. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I appreciate you, Patty Mac. Thanks for joining the show. G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. Miles Jordan, take us out of here with some funk. I'm done. Peace.